welcome to the Unmade Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. This week, 10 became the third of Australia's big three TV networks to unveil its plans for 2020. There's a significant investment in new formats, some new commercial opportunities, and a sports rights announcement too. Uh, 10 is part of Viacom CBS, and I'm delighted to say that the company's two bosses in Australia and New Zealand, Executive Vice Presidents Beverly McGarvey and Jared Villani, join me now. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much, Tim. So we'll, uh, we'll come to the content in a moment, and there is a lot to cover. Um, but first, I'm going to invite you to, to jump in, uh, Jared. Now, a lot of Unmade's audience comes from the media agency and marketing world. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the commercial stuff right up front. A um, couple of the, the new announcements for next year. Um, happy Hour, which uh, is something that's going to be available on um, uh, template, which effectively gives the audience an hour of ad-free viewing, thanks to a sponsor, and dynamic e-trading placement. So let's talk about those two things to start off with. Great, Tim, and thanks very much for, for having us. Yes, look, we're really excited about um, the Happy Hour announcement. We think it gives um, great brand exclusivity to um, advertisers in a way that really cares for the viewer. You know, we, we, we see that with the ongoing um, developments of paid streaming services that viewers like that uninterrupted viewing experience. So we thought that we we would trial um, Happy Hour to see what both the viewer response to it was and, and indeed the advertisers. And it gives that brand exclusivity to advertisers, which is um, almost unobtainable anywhere else. Um, so we think it provides great, both a great opportunity for viewers to experience something different on an ad-supported platform. And the way it works, I take it, is that um, at, the, at the front of the hour, there's a message from the, the sponsor who gets credit for the experience they're about to have. Uh, that's right, as well as um, overlays and other, other ways in which we can work in the messaging about that particular sponsor throughout that hour without being as invasive as a, as a you know, 60 or 90 second um, ad pod. And how do you price that for the sponsor? Well, I think we'll, we'll continue to work through that with, um, with the agencies as we get into the, the detail of that. I think it's, it's a new area. It's something that clearly will attract a premium because you do have that exclusive benefit over the, over the course of the period. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to work um, and Rod, uh, Rod will work through that with, um, with the agencies and with, with the advertising sponsors. This is Rod Prosser who leads the sales. Indeed, yes. And uh, tell me about the uh, dynamic e-trading placement. Well, I think it's all about um, offering that dynamic nature of the way in which um, agencies want to to buy um, advertising space and indeed the ability to, to be more nimble as you see fluctuations in, um, particularly in the BVOD space. <clears throat> so um, we think that, and as you can see across um, many organisations, the ability to adapt to, to pricing demands. And, and indeed, if you have a, a advertiser who um, wants to adjust uh, images or offers, you know, um, <clears throat> with, with short notice, it gives you that ability to, to do that. So how does this stack up again? And this, this is obviously where everybody tends to use sort of slightly different terminologies. You know, one of the things we've seen over the last uh, few weeks is, is, uh, nine and then seven come to the market talking about um what they're now able to offer with not 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 trading so much as automated buying because humans are still having to negotiate the price how does it stack up against that well i think it's all about and 
you know, I think this is a this is a collaboration between us and an agency um, world, which is about what is it that works best for them. So we we think about our products in you know kind of an agency led environment because they're the ones. There's no there's no good us designing something that we think is wonderful and 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 whiz bang and provides everything that that we need. But of course, it still requires a significant amount of of manual workaround from from an agency perspective. So we think that our products are um, connected with the way in which agencies um, want to buy. I can't comment on on that of of other platforms, but you know Rod Prosser and the team do do a lot of work in understanding what what eases the friction from from the buyer's perspective and how we continue to to reshape and and model um, our platforms to to make that um, an ease of trade. Well, let's get into some of the formats. Um, and Bev, it really strikes me that I, I think it's fair to say that of the three networks, 10 is investing the far most this year in new formats. And they, are, they tend to be formats which have at least been already tried in the US or UK. Um, so let's talk through a few of, uh, a few of those. Um, one of the ones that most intrigues me is the bridge. Well, the bridge is really interesting. It's actually for Paramount Plus. And what we're interested in is having some high-end constructed reality on a streaming service. And as you know, lots of the other global streaming services have had a lot of success with high-end premium non-scripted content as well as the premium scripted. So we just want to make sure that um, our local service is offering both scripted and non-scripted. And the bridge is intriguing. And as you know, Australians love um, you know that non-scripted content. And the bridge is intriguing because it's quite authentic. The format beats that um, free-to-air audiences enjoy, you know, and things like MasterChef and Survivor, where there's tribal councils and um, mystery boxes and all that sort of thing. The bridge is slightly more organic than that. You're kind of thrown in at the beginning with an end game. Here's a group of people. Here's a jab bucket of cash. Can you get it? And if you do get it, how do you split it? And it's really a social experiment in that how do those people work together and how do they split the money at the end that's what's really intriguing because actions that you might take in day two will affect the outcome in day 10 so it is um it's quite immersive it, it we will most likely drop it as a binge experience um, and it's a much shorter run than the free to air and um, big constructed reality formats and also we're shooting in tasmania and as you know not not a great deal of content is shot in tasmania and it's beautiful and i think just um having that different geographical look you know we see lots of beaches on australian tv we see lots of you know the outback and you know beautiful red dirt so i think just seeing that really interesting green environment um you know we have a bit of jungle and i'm a celebrity um but i think it will look really different and i think that's really important so we're excited about that and uh with with that one i you know it, it, as, as i was saying it's a, it's a format which has already gone to air in the uk hey look i've, I've not had time to to, to to view much beyond a few trailers but i know reading one review it made the point that um casting is really important which obviously it always is for these things but i know one of the points made in at least one of the reviews in the uk was they were quite an agreeable agreeable group of people and perhaps as a result it lacked some of that tension you sometimes see um but equally you don't just want you know i know they won't be called a tribe but a tribe of dickheads so how are you going to how are you how are you coming at the kind of casting question for something like the bridge 
Um, the casting on any of the, those shows is absolutely critical. And really what you're looking for is a mix of people that reflect an environment that you might actually find yourself in, that you do find some people who are agreeable and some people that might add a bit more tension to proceedings. Um, and also you want some surprises. like in So it's it's been very successful in both the UK and the US. And for example, in one of those series, they had someone who actually knew how to build a bridge who was actually a bridge builder in the army. But he was a gentle character and the others didn't quite ever find that out about him because they didn't ask him enough questions. And that's fascinating because they actually had an expert in their midst and didn't use it. So you're also looking for those surprising um, elements. And I think, you know, in a company that are making it, they cast Survivor, they cast MasterChef, they really know what they're doing. The great thing about Australian characters is that Australians are... We get phenomenal casting um, on some of our big shows. People really put their hand up for this sort of thing. So I think, you know, Australians really like to challenge themselves and they really enjoy this sort of content. So I think the casting will be, as it often is with us, you almost have too much choice. And the hard thing is just whittling it down to a group of people that make, you know, as if you're casting a drama, you get a really great mix that make it a compelling watch. Well, let's talk about a couple of other formats which are quite well known in other markets. Um, Would I Lie to You? Now, again, this is one where quite a well-known cast in the UK, and of course, it's already available on Australian television. So I guess one of the daunting things for your cast, and I don't think you've said yet who it will be, is there's going to be a point of comparison for them. Absolutely. So I will tell you who it's going to be. Um, So the point of comparison is something that we do think about. But I think that the point of comparison does two things. It makes you think, well, this is what works in the UK. And how do you take that and apply it to Australian audience? And what makes Australian audiences enjoy things differently? So um, we are going with Chrissy Swan in the hosting chair. And Chrissy is an incredibly generous performer and she's warm and funny. The other wonderful thing about Chrissy is that she gives other people space to be funny. And that's incredibly important in this show because there will be six big characters characters sitting in those other six chairs every week and you need somebody who can not only wrangle that but allow each person to you know find the flow and be themselves the two team captains will be chris taylor um, from the chaser who as you know is an incredibly smart witty fast comedian and we need that we need somebody who can be that fast and then the other team captain will be frank woodley also smart funny man but a very physical comedian so very different and we just think that balance of those three characters um, will be a really great foundation for the show and then of course every week you have four guests now those four guests aren't necessarily always going to be comedians although they often will be they will be well-known Australians who are you know good at kind of telling a tall tale um, so we think it's a really exciting show that it allows us to cast from a very broad group of people and it won't be the same people that you use to see everywhere else we need to get different people in those chairs um, so we're really excited about that you know a panel comedy when it's done well tends to go very well for us I think there's an appetite for it and particularly the environment we find ourselves in at the minute I think people really will embrace something funny. And speaking of panel um, comedy, um, the cheap seats, um, have you been paying attention to both coming back? Absolutely. They are both coming back. And, um, you know, Hyper is, it's been on for a really long time now. That team do a phenomenal job. They are consistently funny week in, week out in every segment. They're great at using established talent at bringing through new talent. And, you know, just bringing through that new talent has really is what's led to the cheap seats. So the cheap seats, obviously, um, it's a slightly younger cast and probably, you know, a slightly different pace. If you watch that show, they are fast. You know, they're kind of in their mid-20s, those guys, and they just rip through the material, which is really interesting. And we have a really good core audience for that show. And, you know, it took us a bit of time to build Hyper. Like, cheap seats has... 
um, got a broader following in a much faster time frame. So we're really excited about that. And those shows work really well in a complimentary fashion. They both tend to start, you know, around that kind of Q2. So we just wanted something funny at the top of the year, which is why we put um, Would I Lie to You in at the very front. And I'll, I'll come on to some more um, um, new content in a moment. Jared, let me come back to you in a moment because it it strikes me that as, as as we're chatting and although our audience can't, I can see you both. So on on, on, on the left, uh, as, as I look, I've got Jared. On the right, I've got Bev. Bev's job is to spend the money and uh, Jared's job is to find it. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's a bigger content budget this year. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that is indeed the case and if so, where you're finding the money from. Well, I think if you if you look at the way in which our organisation has evolved over the last 18 months, um, we're certainly spending more on content. There is no doubt about that. Um, we, uh, you know, for the first time in 2022, we'll have all of our brands under under one roof. Um, you know, obviously, Network 10 and 10 Play, Nickelodeon, MTV, Nick Jr., Paramount Plus, and 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 the enormous investments that we're making in in that area. And what it does allow us to do is to look at the way in which our content lives um, across platforms and look at the levels of investment that we make and the way in which that can complement all of our services um, and the way in which we can cross-promote that and engage with viewers in different ways on each of those platforms. And indeed, um, hopefully drive viewers across those platforms as well, which presents wonderful opportunities, um, obviously for our viewers, but also for advertisers as well. Um, we think that you know if you have if you have integration into one of our free to air programs, um, and that that um, <clears throat> also shows on Paramount Plus at some point uh, in the future, then you will be tapping into a broader and additional audience also, um, without necessarily having to pay twice for for that opportunity. So we think it presents great value to advertisers as well. But that has allowed us to invest. Um, you know, even more strongly than what we have in the past um, across our content slate. Let's talk a bit more about that content. Um, Bev, a, a format which we, we've, we've previously seen on screen, but at another network over at Seven was First Dates. So um, what, what, what is it you like about that format? And, and what is it that you see in that format that Seven presumably didn't from the fact they let it go? Um, I think, you know, these days shows have moved around a little bit and there's always a moment in time thing with certain formats. We've always loved first dates. What I love about first dates and what I think our audience will love about first dates is the authenticity and humour that you find in a show like Gogglebox. These are real Australians having an experience that we're kind of voyeuristically watching. And I think it's sweet and it's different than the big dating shows it's different you know than the bachelor and the maths and those big shows which have a place and are incredibly important but this is very different it is as i say more in that goggle box travel guide space they're regular people they're people that you know you see in coes and woolies they're those type of people and i think those authentic characters are something that you know, we don't have a great deal of, you know, we tend to have the bigger constructor reality shows and people who apply for those shows are big personalities. These are more everyday Australians. And I think there's room for that on our on our schedule. And I think our audience will really embrace it. And, you know, it's one hour once a week. It's kind of down the back of the week. Uh, and we think it will do a really good job in attracting an audience that will come to it for the for the humour and the sweetness, as opposed to the spectacle that we often offer, you know, on a Sunday, Monday. It's just about getting a bit of balance in the slate. 
And a key thing, I suppose, the first days is the narrator voice. Have you made a decision mm. on that yet? No, we haven't gotten that far yet. We're actually um, we're casting at the minute um, and it will be for Q1. So we're just looking at those sorts of things right now. But it's a really good point. It's kind of critical. Let's talk about another one which feels like a potentially, I, I guess, an expensive one because it takes place out, out in the world, Hunted. So Hunted is really interesting. I think from an audience point of view, it's really exciting. And also from like a, you know, um, industry professional point of view, it's really exciting. So Hunted is kind of, um, it's a big constructed reality show. And it, the interesting thing for us is it's an urban cityscape. And, you know, we've talked about this, we do jungles, we do, you know, out in the outback we do lots of other things but in terms of shooting in an urban cityscape it tends to be um, the domain of Australian drama that does that so Hunted will be shot in Melbourne hopefully in a bustling busy city and the idea is you start with a group of people they literally lose their phones lose their credit card lose their money and it is three two one go and basically a team of people chase you um, in what I ambitiously say a born identity style um, and the last person caught basically wins money it's literally can you evade capture so the way the production works is there is a there's a production team with the hunted and there's a production team with the hunters and they don't overlap so that the production's authentic in terms of the production not knowing what's going on and then there's a central team that are watching both um and they can get out of the city a little bit it's been very successful all over europe um in the UK and in markets like Italy, um, and it's a gr- it's a really exciting, fast paced format, and again attracts a very different type of cast. Um, Australians, as I said, are really you know they're competitive, and I think we'll get we're casting at the minute. We'll get a, a great cast and also a different looking show and a different dynamic, um, and also. A lot of constructed reality shows are in um, a bubbled environment. So you're in the bachelor mansion, you're in the MasterChef kitchen. This is out in the world. So it feels a bit different to some of our other shows. So we're really excited about that. And um, while we're talking about the the big format, Survivor comes back again. Now, I, I'm um, one of the great things for me about um, um, Paramount launching as a service here was um, having availability of all the Survivor, US Survivor episodes. So I... I haven't yet worked my way through all 40 seasons, so I don't know if this is based on a a US season gone by, but there's a twist this year. Um, It absolutely is based on a US season gone by. And what we tend to do is um, we look at some of the thematic survivor versions that play in other markets and then kind of adapt them for Australia so that it really works for us. Like Champions versus Contenders was quite original to Australia, although it was loosely based on something else. So what we're doing is blood versus water. And effectively what that means is you play with someone you love for a certain amount of time. And Survivor's really interesting because at the end, you know, you are the sole survivor. So add in the dynamic of, and you know, some people are very ruthless in Survivor, which we love. Um, If your mother is with you, the question is, is, you know, blood thicker than water. Um, So we're filming at the minute. It's really, really interesting. That dynamic really brings out interesting character traits in people. And, you know, Survivor really is... um, survivor fans are super committed to it and they love those extra layers of complexity and interest so it's a really interesting theme and we've also got fantastic casting most of the cast are new we do have some um, favorites coming back but they're not playing alone they're playing with a sister or a mother so again it's not like you've seen them before but you're seeing them in a different way now because everybody behaves differently when their mother's around I think so it's a really good theme this year and survivor obviously has has you know, become a, a really reliable part of the schedule now. Um, would you do two series in a year? Would you contemplate that? Um, we have done in the past. We actually nearly did two cycles last year, but, you know, COVID 
um, kind of scuppered that idea. Um, it, it's, a, it's an incredible investment, a show like Survivor, um, and it's very successful. I think probably the audience appetite for it um, is maintained when we do one cycle a year. If there was ever a reason to do a second one, we would never say never. We also also do slightly more hours than some of the international versions. So, you know, our audience already get a decent amount of Survivor. Um, so, so possibly one day, certainly not next year. Jared, um, something which uh, we are suppose, where are we now in, in October, three months or so into, is the switch of affiliations from um, uh, the previous um, connection with Win Corporation over to Southern Cross Austereo. Um How has that gone so far? Because I guess you were pretty much thrown in the deep end to, to arrive and then make that negotiation nearly straight away. It's gone well. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate, um, as we were with Wynn, to have um, terrific partners. And indeed, we still have a very substantial relationship with Wynn in northern New South Wales. So um, uh, so that, that continues to go very well and, and Southern Cross in, in most other um, major markets. And of course, as the, as the um, affiliate landscape works in Australia, um, you know, a smattering of other in, in smaller markets. So, but we're very fortunate. It's um, it's going quite well with Southern Cross. Um, we have really strong engagement with them. Their feedback from um, from uh, their clients has been really strong about um, the performance of of the content and the and the engagement from advertisers. So we're really happy with the way in which that has played out. Um, and indeed, we're we're very um, happy with the way in which our relationship continues to work with with win in, in certain markets also. And obviously the, um, the, 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 new, the new arrangement was, was, was only a two year deal, which is quite short for affiliate arrangements. Um, was that your preference or would you have preferred a longer arrangement? Look, we're in a world where it's, it's, it's moving quite fast at the moment. And we had a, we had a really um, great conversation with, with Southern Cross about what our desires were. And it was a, it was a mutual agreement between the parties that, um, that we would um, enter into a two-year um, agreement and see where the world um, was in, in a couple of years' time. So you know, we're both very comfortable with that and um, we don't really think it makes any difference in terms of the, um, the continuity of services or, or indeed our, our relationship. And as you say, in a little bit under two years' time, um, both um, this arrangement but also Prime's arrangement with Seven comes up. Have you had any conversations with Prime yet? Um, well, well, other than the ones that, um, as I say, in, in certain markets that um, that we do engage with them on already as a, as a joint venture part, partner in some of those. Um, but look, I think that um, we'll we'll cross all those bridges when uh, when we when we come to them in a couple of years' time. Um, and before we go back to the content again, a final question on the affiliate arrangement. Um, we thought a while back that Seven and Prime was going to be we're going to come together and be the first national offering. Um, yeah. Is there any further appetites from investment for you to pick up? And I guess it would probably be prime, but it might be Southern Cross or Stereo. Is there a way the numbers would actually stack up to become a national offering, do you think? That has to work for both parties, obviously. Um, um, so I think that like like all investment activity, whether you're talking about you know, Viacom, CBS, or Seven or Nine, or whoever you might be, you know, talking about at any point in time. You know, we, we work through the process of saying, does this make sense? Does this work for both parties? And there can only ever be an agreement if it does work for both parties. So, um, you know, I, I view it 
like all commercial agreements, you never say never. Um, you see what unfolds, you see what can work for, for each of the parties and um, you make those decisions uh, as you go. So it sounds like at least sort of with Viacom CBS internationally, it's not as if they've said rule out spending money on that sort of potential acquisition. If if you can make it stack up, then um, they, they, they might back you on that case. Oh, well, we have terrific support, um, full stop. Um, internationally for our investments in Australia, be they in content or, or, or further acquisitions or whatever it might be. So we, you know, we've got really strong engagement with our international colleagues and um, you know, it, it has uh, set us up in a really good place here um, in Australia and New Zealand. Well, let's uh, let's uh, talk a bit about sport, which we, we, we haven't yet today. Um, Bev, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, as somebody my accent gives me away um, as a, 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 a person from the UK where the FA Cup is a big deal. So this is the, um, this is the, I suppose you could think of it as a, you know, the, the, the main league is the EPL in the UK and then the FA Cup is the knockout format. And they're, you know, they're both pretty much as meaningful as each other really in terms of sort of UK sport. So you're, you're, you're now going to have some rights to show the FA Cup. Um, how are you going to make that work in the, within the schedule? Um, so the FA Cup will, um, a, a lot of the games will, well, all of the games will be on Paramount Plus and then some of the games will will play on the linear services. But really, we're just wanting to round out our football offering. Um, so as you know, you know, we have the FA with Socceroos Matildas and um, the A-Leagues. So we were really um, just looking for other events to kind of round that out. And as you say, um, it is such a big deal in the UK. There's a lot, a lot of expats here. And even if you're not from that part of the world, there's a lot of players that you'd know because a lot of big names um, play, you know, in the British leagues. So you know who they are. So we're really excited about that. And it really just enhances our football offering for fans. Um, and, and it will be mainly on Paramount Plus, but some of it will sit on the linear services. So that's how we see it working, really. And we're pretty excited about it, though, because, uh, you know, as you said, it's a knockout. And also in a knockout, interesting things can happen. You never really know where it's going to end. So I think that keeps it, you know, really exciting right to the end of the season, you know. And you say you've got um, you, you, you've got all of the games. So obviously you you with the knockout thing it starts off with a lot of games per season then it it presumably hits that point where you might have sort of eight or four games per round going on so um you'll you'll presumably actually be streaming multiple multiple games at the same time yeah we will be we will we do have the capacity to do that and we will be streaming multiple games at the same time across the board that that also sometimes happen with the local leagues as well so um that's kind of the beauty of having um you know as Jared has mentioned just having a full suite of distribution um, mechanism so that we can do multiple things at the same time. I think, you know, the interesting thing is just about making it clear about what's on when and what we have where and the cur- making the curation easy for the audience. So, um, you know, we have the Matildas on 10 this Saturday night and we have a, we have a couple of um, like FA games and then we move into the APL, which will be exclusive mainly on Paramount Plus coming into November. Now, Jared, one of the... Uh tap dances of a commercial network particularly with streaming is that the viewers are already paying for the product so they don't necessarily want to see much advertising at all but equally this is a commercial world and one of the ways that pays for the content is the ads how do you think about that when it comes to 
the advertising around football or soccer, I suppose we should call it in, here in Australia. Yeah, Tim, there's obviously lots of different models playing out across, across the world at the moment in relation to um, our football, which will be available on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it will be supported by a light ad load. We think it gives great continuity to, to advertisers across both the free-to-air product and the Paramount Plus product um, to ensure that you know if if you are part of football in this country, that you are part of the viewer experience also, and people really can see that brand association irrespective of which platform. Now we are going to be very conscious of the load that exists on Paramount Plus, um, but we think we can do that in a respectful and and um, non-intrusive manner. And then um, sticking with with with, with Paramount Plus, a um, couple of other formats: um, couples therapy and the return of five bedrooms. Yeah, so five bedrooms has been phenomenally successful for Paramount Plus and and for Ten. Um, so series three will drop very 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 early next year, um, which we're really excited about. We're filming it at the minute. It's a really strong series, really good writing, fantastic talent. Um, and then we have a show called Couples Therapy, and Couples Therapy will be. Um, the first local non-scripted content to drop on the service. And again, we're making it at the minute. It um, it plays on HBO Max in the US and it's a very different type of show. It is not a show that you would see sitting on linear. It's a, um, it's a very... Um, no producer intervention type show so it's you see two people talking to a therapist about their relationship um and there are no format beats there is no at the end of the series two people are going to stay together and two people are going to split up you watch the um the kind of um how their relationship um grows or doesn't across the period of their conversations with the therapist and at the end of the series um you find out where they are at that moment in time. It's not like a hard closed ending. It's really interesting conversations um, and the way the show works. Um, if you're in the show as as one of the couples, you don't see producers, you don't see cameramen, you only see your therapist. It's kind of shot, you know, with with two-way um, mirrors, et cetera. So you're really honest. So I think it's a really, and again, it's been very successful in other markets because I think people are, you know, people are curious and they like to see what's happening in other people's lives. So we're really um, excited to see how that goes. And it's one of those things that had we not had Paramount Plus, we wouldn't be able to do that type of show because it will appeal to a very bespoke market. So just having that extra platform gives us more flexibility in our commissioning and kind of gives us more scale in our buying. So Jared, um, this will be your first upfronts um, since joining 10. Um, I found myself thinking of James Warburton's return to seven, where he used his first upfronts to tell his audience that what had come before was not good enough. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I do wonder if you could wave a magic wand and change just one decision by any predecessor over the last 15 years, what would it be? Tim, I think that whenever we're reflecting on any decision made in business, in life, unless you know all of the factors at that point in time that those people had to consider at that point in time, um, you knew the dynamics of what was playing out, um, the the condition of, of a balance sheet or, or P&L or what was the, the strategic objectives at that point in time, then you can never look back and um, sometimes even on your own decisions and, and say whether they were good or bad ones. And I think that that's, that's true of this situation. And Bev and I have spent, um, we've been lucky enough to, to work together on and off um, over the last 
four or five years. We've got a great working relationship and we're very much about looking forward and about, about the organisation, not just the network. It's much bigger than that. Um, the network's a very important part of, of what we do, um, but the organisation as a whole and the way in which we um, build out Viacom CBS um, in Australia and the position that it will take in the market, you know, we're, we're really excited about making those decisions together and ensuring that we get those right based on the information that we have to hand um, at any given point in time. Do you ever look back there and think, oh, I wonder how things would be if Lachlan had fought, Lachlan Murdoch had fought a bit harder to keep some AFL, for instance. Perhaps, but you probably best ask in Lachlan that. <laughs> hey, um, it might just be worth painting a bit of a picture, and this might might might, might be one of the final questions of um, how the um, I'm particularly interested for ten how how the how the shed will sort of unfold over the coming year. You know where where you actually see yourself placing the 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 main shows throughout 2022. Well, I think, you know, for many years now, we have been very transparent about what our schedule looks like and that we want it to be consistent. So we're quite comfortable to talk about what the year looks like. It's very, very set for the first half. We do I'm a Celebrity on January 3. We we talk about that quite publicly and tend to put January 3 in billboards all over the country. Um, and then we go into Survivor. We didn't have Survivor in Q1 this year only because we couldn't get it made in time because of the um, lockdown situation last year. But luckily this year, we've managed to fix that. So we go, I'm a Celebrity, Survivor, some other enhanced in Q1, like first dates and would I lie to you, as we've talked about, and then we go into MasterChef, and really that takes us through the first half of the year, and we're very happy to be open about that. We think the market need to know that we have a consistent schedule, what the content is, what the integration opportunities are, and then in the back half of the year we tend to have things like um, Bachelor and some other um, big kind of more stunty shows Hunted will play in that second half. So we tend to be quite open about it because we think um, it kind of it works for us to be um, upfront about what we're doing. And I think, you know, these days your clients really want to know in advance. You can't kind of be hiding things and stuffing around and you need to be quite honest about where your shows are going to land. I think it works. It's, it's better for our sales team to have that visibility. Well, upfront is always a busy week, so I will let you both go. Beverly McGarvey and Jared Villani, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us, Tim. The Unmade Podcast is produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. More soon. I'm Tim Burrows. Toodle pip. Unmade.